It's Monday, January the 4th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Trump demands Georgia find votes and England faces even tighter lockdown. First, the world in brief. The Washington Post released a recording of a telephone call on Saturday in which President Donald Trump demanded that a senior official in the state of Georgia, Brad Raffensperger, find enough votes to overturn the result of the presidential election in the state. Mr Raffensperger, a Republican, refused. The recording emerged as legislators in both houses of Congress took office in Washington, D.C. Among their first tasks, normally a formality, is to certify the election results on Wednesday. This year, Mr Trump's supporters will try to complicate things. Meanwhile, every one of America's living former defence secretaries called on the president to accept the country's election result, warning him against using the army to try to cling to power. In an extraordinary letter published in the Washington Post, the 10 men, including Republicans such as Donald Rumsfeld, Dick Cheney and Mr Trump's own former Pentagon chiefs, said civilian and military officials are betting such an attempt would be held accountable for their actions. Boris Johnson, Britain's Prime Minister, warned that lockdown rules in England might be about to get tougher, even as the government's COVID-19 vaccine rollout is accelerated today. Most of the country is already in the toughest level of restrictions under the existing system, but COVID-19 cases and hospitalisations have continued to rise rapidly. Mr Johnson insisted that schools were safe, although primary schools in London, which were supposed to open today, will remain shut until January 18th. Elsewhere, Shuga Yoshihide, Japan's Prime Minister, warned he may impose a state of emergency in Greater Tokyo. Authorities in Western Australia issued emergency warnings as bushfires spread out of control in the suburbs of Perth. Some residents were told to leave their homes, while others without a path to safety have no choice but to shelter inside. The blazes come less than two weeks after people in Bullsbrook, another Perth suburb, were forced by bushfires to evacuate. India banned the world's largest vaccine manufacturer from exporting the Oxford University AstraZeneca COVID-19 vaccine. The Serum Institute of India has been contracted to make 1 billion doses of the vaccine for poor countries. But India's regulator granted the vaccine emergency authorization on condition that the company does not export any until at least March to give priority to vulnerable Indians. And the value of Bitcoin surged above $34,000 for the first time. The world's most popular cryptocurrency increased in value by more than 300% last year. Some analysts predict that the bubble will soon burst, but Bitcoin's rally has been boosted by a growth in institutional support. Last year, PayPal, a digital payments firm, incorporated the digital currency for American customers. MGM Resorts International, an American casino firm, has reportedly made a bid to buy Entain, a British online gaming company and owner of Ladbrokes, a bookmaker. An earlier all-cash offer of $10 billion was rejected, says the Wall Street Journal. Casinos long saw online gambling as a menace, but after a bruising year of closures due to COVID-19, many are now placing big bets on the booming business. And correction. Saturday's edition of Espresso incorrectly named Jeremy Canodal, who is a judge, as a Texan politician. We meant to refer to Louis Gohmert, a congressman. Sorry. And now, here's today's agenda. A car company is born. Fiat Chrysler and PSA merge. A new star will illuminate the car industry today when the creation of Stellantis, derived from Latin for to brighten with stars, is rubber-stamped by shareholders of Fiat Chrysler, whose brands include Jeep, Ram and Dodge, 
and PSA Group, the maker of Peugeots and Citroëns. The deal would create an industry giant, bringing together a firm with a strong presence in America with a European powerhouse that has a toehold in China, all under the leadership of Carlos Tavares. Matching his success in the rapid revival of PSA, a basket case when he took over in 2014 will be a challenge. The difficulty of merging differing corporate cultures has sunk many a car industry mega-merger, and the challenge of remodelling existing car makers for the electric age will undoubtedly lead to casualties along the way. But if anyone can navigate the course, it is Mr Tavares, the brightest star among bosses in the business. Out with the old. Cuba loses a currency. Cubans woke up on January 1st with one fewer currency than the night before. After decades of deliberation, the island's convertible peso, Cook, which is pegged to the dollar and exists alongside the normal Cuban peso, is being phased out. For years, the existence of dual currencies and the bewildering variety of exchange rates between them have created distortions that drain the treasury and keep Cubans poor. The abolition of the Cook will end the favourable exchange rates enjoyed by the state sector, forcing it to behave more like the private one. State pensions and salaries are to rise fivefold, but subsidies for utilities will diminish. The cost of electricity is set to double. Most Cubans are concerned and confused. Dollars are fetching record prices on the black market. The government has promised to keep an ear to the ground and to adjust prices as needed, but discontent is brewing. A slow, wary transition to market economics begins. Judgment Day. Assange in the dock. Nothing happens quickly in the Julian Assange saga. British cops waited seven years for the WikiLeaks founder to emerge from the Ecuadorian embassy in London where he was dodging bail. Another year and a half on, a judgment is due today in his extradition hearing, which the COVID-19 pandemic delayed by several months. The court ruling may turn on his physical and mental fitness to stand trial in America on charges of espionage and hacking. In any case, further delay is inevitable. The losing side can attempt to lodge successive appeals with two higher courts in Britain and could eventually take the case to the European Court of Human Rights. Equally vociferous camps see Mr Assange as alternatively a warrior for transparency or a slippery friend of America's enemies. Neither side will get ultimate vindication today. A postponed bounce. Britain's GDP. Today's survey of purchasing managers in British manufacturing firms is expected to show the sector in a buoyant mood. Sadly though, that will not be representative of the wider state of the British economy. Just a few weeks ago, the Office for Budget Responsibility, the fiscal watchdog, expected a decent bounce in British GDP during the first quarter of 2021. Its central estimate was a growth of 1.9% over the three months to March. But a lot has changed since then. The third wave of COVID-19 has led to enhanced social distancing restrictions being rolled out across the country, with non-essential retail and much of the hospitality sector in London and other big cities shut down. School closures in the capital will reduce the effective labour supply as parents are forced to look after small children. Rather than the hoped-for bounce, it seems more likely that 2021 will open with GDP contracting once again. Headcounts and headaches. Censuses in Europe. This year, almost every country in Europe will conduct a census to help governments plan for the future. 60 years ago, the population of the EU's 27 members was 12% of the world's total. Today, it is 
and by 2070, unless the censuses reveal surprises, it will have shrunk to 4%. Many European countries have next to no immigration and much emigration, and their populations have been shrinking for years. Without immigration, the population of all European countries will shrink as deaths outnumber births. Populations are ageing too. On current projections, the working age population will shrink by 18% by 2070, while 30% of the population will be aged 65 or above, up from about 20% today. Some say a smaller population would be a good thing. The Earth's resources are already stretched. But it still poses an economic problem if it is mostly made up of expensive pensioners rather than tax-paying workers. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Albert Camus, who passed away on this day in 1960. Live to the point of tears. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.